Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today, we are talking about buying vacation property. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Friends, listeners, welcome to episode 55. Today it's Matt welcoming you to the show because Jeff's not here, man. You're not, Jeff. Nope, I'm and, not. Um, but you, I'm the mystery guest today. Everybody's got to guess who I am. We're auditioning a new person out because you just never know, right? Things happen and sometimes Jeff never comes back and, and we just have Jay, friend of the show. Friend I've, of the show. I've never recorded with Jay before. Nope, Jay sat was, in your seat once. He was my replacement, but we've got Jay here. One-time listener, one-time caller. Yeah, Jay's <laughs> only listened to his his one episode. It was probably going to work out good. He'd just, just jump right in and give us all sorts of fresh material. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like buying a vacation property, but we did just come out of a long weekend. That's why this is a talking point. It makes sense that this is something that we should talk about. Yeah, how and was it your makes long sense, weekend? And it makes sense that Jay is here because, you know, Jeff doesn't have any... Jeff doesn't vacation. <laughs> Jeff just works. <laughs> And Jeff's not here, so we can say these things about him. He goes on little boat trips once in a while, I think. He does. He goes, he goes out on the boat. Um, I wonder if that counts as buying a vacation property. Well, if he's got a, a, a owns a portion of his dad's boat, maybe. If it's a big enough boat? Yeah. Is, is buying a big enough Could boat kind of like buying a cabin? I would we, say it's akin to. You're probably paying a lot for mortgage and things like that, which is probably more expensive. Than well, we didn't prep for that at all to go into yeah. this episode. <laughs> Are we ready to give advice on buying? On, I mean, we've talked about cars. Talk a little bit about real estate. Um, maybe it is time we just sort of uh, diversify and, and get into boats. What kind of boats good for vacation property propertying? Yeah, let's not do that today. Okay. Yeah. Another maybe. another day. Yeah. But did you go? You went away for the long weekend, right, Jer? So so we went away to to our family um, property. I say family because it's it's partially owned by family members. Um, like a sh- kind of like a sharesy thing. Like a little sharesy thing, uh, which is is. Potentially, we'll get into it a little bit more today, but but something that's a good option for, for a lot of people. Um, we were out at Bowen Island. Uh, we have a little boat access off-grid cabin out there. Um, and Did it you was, swim? It was good. I swam in the ocean. Ooh. I got a sunburn. I tried to fish. I thought I caught a fish, uh, but it actually ended up just, I think it was a snag. <laughs> oh, good. I, was, I thought you were going to say it was a, a foot or something. No. That happens from time to time, I hear. No, I know nothing about fishing. I, I romanticize. I think it's... it's it, I think it's, you know a lot about fishing. I know a little bit about you fishing. You just don't know much about catching. I don't know anything about catching. So I, I definitely go out and go through the motions, um, usually only from a dock. Not We've got a boat, but I... <laughs> I feel like when you go out in the boat, you've got to figure out a way to make the boat not move, like into the rocks, like not drift. So there's just a lot Isn't going that the on. Whole thing when you're in a boat, you've got to troll, troll, uh, and put along. And okay, again, not an expert on fishing, <laughs> <laughs> but I do like to cast. I do like to have a beer um, and and put the put the rod, put the hooky thingy in the water. Um, I've, I can catch the little guys sometimes, but anyways, that's what I did. I that's took my cool. shirt off. I got a sunburn. It was sunny, um, and we went swimming and. It was, um, it's extremely cold, but yeah, I can't do ocean water. Did you swim this weekend, Jay? I did. It was chilly. I was uh, <laughs> up in the Okanagan on Skaha Lake. Uh, once again, family property. Um, I've, I'm lucky enough that I've had this property basically in the family all my life. Uh, 
and yeah, it was it was great. It was freezing cold, but it was uh, is Skaha like refreshing. is it like glacier? No, no. I mean, it, the Okanagan Lake feeds into Skaha. So it's, it should be the um, same temperature, I would think, right? Possibly a little warmer. It's not as deep, and so I mean, over the summer it warms up a lot more. But yeah, it hasn't this, been real high temperatures no, yet to warm yet, up the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty cool. Did, did you go in just on principle? Just to see, yeah, like, hey, sort I went of. for a dip. It was just one of those things. I, I it was I just wanted to refresh a bit, and it was it was warm enough. Sometimes on May long weekend, it's not warm enough to do that. You go in and you're cold for the rest of the weekend. But um, <laughs> but it was it was warm enough this last weekend. No no fire ban. And, uh, no fire ban yet. Although there were some fires in the area, so we kind of we kept an eye on our our fire pit yeah. just just to be safe. Oh, and, some like forest fires happening. Yeah, they're happening already. It's, yeah. uh, it's it's ugly out there. It's nice to go swimming and then be able to just at least kind of warm up. Oh yeah, by, for sure. By a fire, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so no fishing. No, I haven't fished up there since I was probably like six years old. Yeah. Um, not really very good fishing there. We get like bullheads and sometimes carp, but yeah. I'd say I've heard of that, but <laughs> <laughs> they stalked our lake where our place is. Oh, really? Ten thousand little trout fry. Nice. Yeah. So they say in a couple of years we might actually have some trouts to catch. Yeah, that's good eating. And where's your place, Matt? So our place, I think I've talked about this on the show already. It's Otter Lake, and it's so the community is Tulamine at the foot of Otter Lake. So we were there. Pretty good long weekend. Your place is three hours, four hours from Vancouver? Three hours and 15 if you from, drive from, nonstop. From newest minister. From newest, yeah. Yeah. And where's, and yours is? Um, we were able to do it in good traffic, four hours flat. That's, that's fast. But, um, yeah. Is that, fa- is that pretty. Well, I mean, I guess it's, I, it's I by don't... Penticton, right? Yeah, just just it's... south of Penticton. Uh, we're in uh, on uh, a little town called Okanagan Falls, so south end of Skaha Lake. How how, oh, how okay. long a drive is that from Lake Karameos? Um, from Karameos, it's probably like just over a half hour, forty five kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Because because from Princeton to Karameos is about forty minutes. Yeah, it's not it's not super far from Karameus. Yeah, okay. What do you what's the what's the territory like if somebody was searching where, where your place is? Where Tulamine is? Yeah. It's the middle of nowhere. It's not Okanagan. Oh, it technically if you're searching like MLS search, it'd be South Okanagan. So we fall within the South Okanagan territory. It's weird because between Princeton, like Highway Five A and the Coquihalla Highway Five is just a bunch of mountains and trees and a couple of lakes. And the biggest lake in the middle of all of that is Otter Lake. Mm-hmm. And there's there's honestly like virtually nothing else around but just trails. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not exactly a definable region. It's just <laughs> this forgotten mountain range between the Coquihalla Highway and, and the rest of the developed area moving over to Princeton. With its own weird weather and things like that. Yeah, the weather's pretty similar to like Princeton and that kind of stuff, but it is at elevation. Yeah. Where it, the mountains can kind of play into that a bit. Yeah, we're yeah. at like 900 meters there, so cold nights. Cool. It's not like that at Skaha, right, Jay? No, not no. not in the summer anyhow. Sometimes yeah. in the spring it can get a little colder, but I, I was there in um, in December and January this year, and it was actually not bad at all. We, we actually, we just got a trailer on our property. We used to set up tents there, but um, we've got a trailer there now, so it's a lot easier to go season round, and um, yeah, th- this year was especially mild, though. Nice. Well, yeah, we're going to talk kind of like about setups and different ways of working it and different ideas for people because I think it's a pretty common dream for people on the West Coast. We go away on May long weekend. That's why we're talking about it now, Mm -hmm. right? Is setting this up and trying to find a way to make this dream a reality. So we're going to talk about that in the show today. But first, we're going to check in on the news and then we'll get into it. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you 
to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a newsflash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Today's news story comes from Jeremy Ray. He sourced this one from Huff Post or Huffington Post. Huff Post. Is that a real news like publication? When I first heard the name, I thought it was like a made up, like because I think it's a it's a like a clickbaity kind of thing. I don't I don't just look at it as a, a serious publication. I think Jeff Jeff's like, oh no, it's not clickbait. But I, I swear I've seen like the ten things you need to do before like those kind of types of articles. I feel like they've got a lot of clickbaity kind of titles, but. I think they're actually not. They, too they want to be bad. kind of a real yeah. news outlet. Yeah, it's they no, do it's no New York in. Times or. Uh, no, but I feel like they're trying to be like an like an online reputable source of some sort. I don't know if they actually are, but. Okay, well, let's go with the headline here in the real estate section. It uh, it reads Canadian house price forecast: what the next five years will look like in thirty three cities. That's pretty broad. That's pretty it's broad. amazing that they're able to to lock in on on. On what's going to be happening, especially five years, like that's, I feel like that would be extremely helpful for us. <laughs> well, makes for a good headline, anyhow. Yeah, give so, it, give it, give it six months, and they'll have an entirely different five-year forecast. Well, here's the cover your ass subheadline: whether you're a home buyer or a homeowner, there's something for you to be unhappy about in this forecast. Well, that's depressing. So there's nothing good happening in the next five years. Yeah. So this is where they get to in the meat of the the first section of the article. If you're a homeowner hoping to make big equity gains, forget it. And if you're an aspiring home buyer hoping for a reprieve from astronomical urban house prices, forget that too. So basically yeah. they're saying that things are going to be pretty much the same for five years. So get, get used to single, single detached houses uh, in the suburbs of Vancouver to be around a billion dollars and up with yeah. small gains that sort of follow inflation. Um, and then for, for your condos, I mean, that'll, that'll depend on the areas because they're obviously different saturation levels in terms of, of inventory. But uh, things aren't getting cheaper. And if you're looking for, for making a bunch of ton of money over the five years, you might stay in a place. That's probably not going to happen either. It's probably just going to follow inflation, I think, was the gist of it. Um, yeah, uh, there's a nice little uh, visual graph here. There let's, is. Let's play guessy guess, okay? So 33 cities... 31 of them are projecting to increase over the next five years. Two of them are projecting a decrease. Want to guess? Any guesses as to what one of them might be? Decreases in Alberta? Um, Or are those supposed to rebound? I think they've or Alberta was already hit because their economy was doing pretty crappy. They already the got they already so got their yeah, bottom so I think, at this point. I think well, I'll say you were on the right track, Jay. The two that are projected to go down are Saskatoon and Regina. Oh, so okay. Matt's folks, his friends in the prairies aren't going to be doing too well. well Supper eating folk. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's about three percent in Regina. What's going on in Regina? I, I don't know. I'm not in Regina. Yeah, this is more of a New West real estate show. Yeah, that's that's pretty... Uh, <laughs> so if you had to make a guess, Jay... Because um, both of us are looking at the Now, uh, now Jer's broken the, the, the tie. He's looking at the chart, too. I could answer, uh, yeah. but, but I won't be honest. So they range from 0.5% increase over five years, and the highest is 6.1. So 6.1 isn't astronomical. Right, yeah, no. I mean, that's the very highest projection. I would, I would guess that if we're talking lower mainland, anyhow, places like Surrey will probably be top the charts for, for possible growth. Yeah, they're not giving us like suburbs like that. Oh, no. the, yeah. the only like Metro Vancouver one they have one here is 
Vancouver, right. which is a stupid statement because Vancouver, they probably don't mean Vancouver proper. They no, probably no, mean Metro Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the highest growth they're projecting is in St. John's. Oh. Yeah, and Vancouver is in the bottom like 15% here. They're projecting 0.9% along with Victoria, Moncton, Abbotsford. Oh, they decided to put in Abbotsford. Hmm. Yeah. It's just slightly farther <laughs> away. Just far enough out that it's not Metro Vancouver. And they need to really make a difference, like 0.1%. Yeah, point nine versus one. Anyway. Anyway, I mean, I love seeing these things because somebody's trying to make some five-year projection and then some buyer's going to look at it and use it as a, a negotiating tool. Well, that's <laughs> exactly it. I, I, th- th- I think it's just a snappy headline, too. People are looking for real estate news they can put out there so they, they get somebody to manufacture what they can and pop it out there. It's such a hot-button topic for people that, that anytime you're talking about real estate, any headline is going to get some you know people's attention, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Whether they agree with it, disagree with it, um, I think part of this. I mean, they're talking about uh, interest rates changing and how that might uh, might affect purchasing power and things like that. But either way, um, it doesn't look like there's going to be much. Yeah, regardless of what brings in change, it's not going to be a dramatic change, right? I mean, that's what the projection says. Yeah. Is that no matter yeah. what, it's going to be subtle. so. So my takeaway is stop following that stuff, <laughs> and if your family needs a place to live. Figuring out, figure out if renting makes sense for you or if buying makes sense for you, depending on whether you, you want short-term or long-term stability and, and figure out if you need to move or not because you need more space or less space. I feel like I should also add, though, that I'm talking about it as if it's definitely wrong. It's not definitely wrong. They could very well be right. I just think that it's somebody making a guess, though. It's, it's you know, you or I could make, could make a guess saying the exact opposite or saying that things are going to grow or yeah, something globally will happen and, and, and the global markets will just crash and that'll affect things. And Yeah, uh, and then they can say they were wrong because they didn't predict that this big well, global change was coming. That, that's exactly <laughs> it. And, and, and there will be big events that happen in the meantime that'll completely change outlooks and, and outcomes. There's, there's general, a lot of generalizations happening, right? Sure. It's not, uh, we've got lots of different things happening in, in different markets and stuff. So yeah, I think to your point, Jerry, you're right. People find something they can afford, it works for your family, make yourself a home. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. Without money, wrong. Lost. Wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So this is something I noticed a lot, especially around like the Victoria Day long weekend, is a lot of people start getting the wheels turning in their head of this dream of owning some kind of secondary property, right? I mean, that kind of happened with like you guys. I mean, you, you sort of found your, your place that you liked going with your family after maybe trying a few different places out. And then after the one of the last times, you're like, I think this is where we want to to pick up a, a property Yeah, we kind of decided it was the right location. And then once we made that decision and we were ready, we did our our buyer tour on May long weekend. And that's like sort of an official opening day for that sort of region because that's when definitely for sure all the snow is mounted at the peaks and you can, or the snow is melted in the mountain peaks. Mm. So anyway, a lot of people there. And so we went and we did our shopping. We went and did our tour and made our decision. And I noticed a lot of new people in town this weekend. People have made their purchase decision. People are going camping this weekend and they drive around. They go, oh, I wish I owned one of these or one of those. And how could I do it? What type of property works for us? What would we actually use? What can we afford? There's a lot of questions that go into that. Yeah, it's important to, 
I mean, yeah, for you guys, you kind of had an idea of what, what worked for your family. Um, but definitely for people, because like we live... You know, we're lucky enough to live in a, an area that we've got all sorts of different types of properties, whether it's taking a ferry to that property or driving to that property or, or boat access, that there's a lot of different options. Are you like a skiing family or you know, yeah. I'd rather just do some, you know, like dirt trails or, or four by fouring or quadding or, or whatever they call it nowadays. Uh, side, <laughs> side by siding. <laughs> they don't call it that. They don't? No. <laughs> well, maybe they should start calling it that. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of different fun wreck properties. So I think a, a big part of the, I, I would think... For somebody looking initially, finding out what your family needs are for, for the type of property, what kind of activities you like to do, um, and then start to like try out. I guess your family, Jay, your your property was already sort of there, so somebody made that decision. Yeah. And then you guys get to, to enjoy it. Um, not, But for some people, they might not know. Like I've got uh, someone I'm kind of talking with right now who's likes the idea of the water but doesn't know, do I want just an ocean view? Do I want to be on the ocean? Um, does a lake work? Does a creek work? <laughs> How much am I going to use this body of water? Well, I think too that before you even get into that, um, depending on the type of person you are, you want to get into whether you want to actually commit to a certain area. You know, a lot of people want to want to do different things all the time, and if that's your type of thing, then maybe investing in in a, in a property for that type of thing isn't what you want to do. And you maybe you want to go to you know Hawaii once once a year or some other place and. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, like, it's, it's really commitment. Like you, you, you go, you go in there probably a few times a year. And if, if you want to do other things then that, that sort of takes that off the table. Cause that's it's, a good it's, point. It's a significant investment too. Yeah. And it's, so if you're taking, if you're taking this plunge into owning this property, a secondary yeah, property, this is your place. That's this it. becomes your vacations. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people make it work by renting it out and they balance yeah. the books pretty nicely. But the problem I see with renting it out as a, a, as a property owner is that it takes away my flexibility of going at the drop of a hat when our business allows this window of opportunity to do that. For sure. Right? Yeah. But a lot of people can offset it. I know a lot of people who own like a condo or a townhouse, you know, in Soyuz or uh, Vernon, some of those places. Jay, uh, you mentioned Hawaii. Yeah, right? yeah right? for people, sure. They'll, they'll rent those out when they're not there. Yeah. But it gives them sort of first right of refusal as to when to use it. Absolutely. But you have to start booking that time out. Well, a lot of people... Uh, us not included are way better at just scheduling way in advance family vacations often. Like, you know, they'll have four times a year every three months and it's set. And um, it's a lot easier to do that for some people. It's hard to be realistic, I find, with, with buyers of these types of properties with your your intended use of the property. If you are buying something that's local, and by local I mean like you could, you could get there from door to door in would you say six hours tops is... Four is kind of what a four? lot of people say to, to be able to use it on a weekend, like a long weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You have the dream of we're going to be up here every weekend or it might be <laughs> once a month. Um, but, but maybe just kind of realizing, yeah, how much that, how much use is going to be and try and be as objective as possible. And, and because it's always a bit of a pipe dream, right? You've got these ideas that, that you're going to be there and, and how is it, uh, how is it actually going to play out? You don't necessarily know until it happens, but, um, I think figuring to like your, your budget, which is going to determine some of these things, how much you're spending. Cause maybe, Maybe you're not. You pay obviously extra to be on the water. Yeah. If you are, if you're wanting a waterfront property, um, but maybe being like you can see a huge difference in price just you being across adjacent. the street from the water, yeah. and see the water and walk down like a path to the water within like a minute, uh, but not pay for those those water properties, uh, water prices for the property, right? Yeah, and I think that a lot of people too, when you're talking about rec properties, that water proximity really is a really important. Unless you're talking like about a ski property or something like that. 
Um, that really is one of the, one of the big things you want to be near a lake or a river where you can do stuff on the water. Sometimes you just want to be out in the bush and have a ATV or something like that. But I find most people really value the water proximity. Yeah. I guess for the mountain, I don't know too much about the ski properties. Um, Jay, you've got some experience with like, you know, Whistler vacation properties. Um, is it, is it like, I wonder how that works in terms of pricing. Is it, um, like well, obviously walking distance to it to it's going to be well. I mean, it really depends on where you are. Pretty much anywhere in Whistler is going to be an arm and a leg for you know a small condo these days. Yeah. Um, there are more affordable areas uh, as as well. Like I know Hemlock or Sasquatch or whatever they're calling it these days is uh, really doing a big uh, uh, expansion project. They're talking about spending. I think multi multi million dollars on that resort. So as long as, as long as they still get snow in fifteen years, that'll be a pretty pretty awesome. <laughs> I place wonder to go. about Hamlock because the snow isn't. I've been there once and and um, I just feel like it could it could be a little hit or miss with the snow. Yeah, and I, I know that's been the issue there. Like I think I think the previous owners of that hill uh, had to sell it because they just weren't making any money. Yeah. And then the new owners, the last several years, have sort of lucked out because they happen to have some good years. But they'll probably have some pretty bad years coming up again. Um, although the, the big thing I think with ski resorts these days, especially as, as, uh, climate change, uh, rears its ugly head, uh, is that we're getting a lot more popularity around things like, uh, mountain biking, which, which like, like Whistler, for example, is almost busier in the summer now with mountain biking than, no it, than way. it is in that's, the winter. That's crazy. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. So they just open the chairlifts up to bikes and, yeah. and you got a whole new revenue you do cross stream. country. Yeah, and when they build season. amazing courses. Yeah. yeah. It's not just like they let you ride down the hill and that's the end of it. Like the, the maintenance they do to create terrain for these bikes is extensive. Yeah. And, and they're doing that these days at a lot of the ski resorts, like up in the Okanagan as well, like Big White and Sun Peaks, I believe as well. Um, and, you know, they're, they're smart to do that because that's going to be a real big revenue stream for, stream for them. So, let, so let's talk about the buyer then. So the buyer is trying to consider the right piece of land. Um, a, a lot of people don't know where to start. And because a lot of it is that they don't understand the buying power they have buying a secondary property versus a primary property. And you'll probably have more insight into this than than any of us because you uh, had a a real, uh, um, the the way you got into it, I I thought was interesting anyhow. Yeah, well, it it was fascinating to learn about and to understand the limitations Mm -hmm. of, of what you can do. I first got excited about the idea of buying bare land. And apparently I'm not alone in this. You start seeing like, you know, this 10 acre piece of land for $100,000 or $80,000. You go, oh, I'd love to have that. Like I just pay a mortgage on that. You know, that's not that much money every month. And I can just develop it over the years and it'll get better and better and better. And it's going to be amazing. And then the first person you talk to says, oh, you want to buy bare land. Like you can't get a mortgage on that at all. Right. Like none, Hmm. no mortgage. So that's how that starts. So, uh, bring cash. Get it? Yeah. If, the, if you're not if you're not liquid enough for that, it could be expensive. You're running potentially a line of credit on your property. Um, not always the best rates if you're doing that. So yeah. So you have to be prepared though financially that you're like, oh, I thought it was just going to be like I get a mortgage on that. It's not that much money, so I can afford it. Well, just because you can afford it doesn't mean they'll they'll lend on it. So basic starting point is bare land. If it's eighty thousand dollars or three hundred thousand dollars, you're going to have a really tough time getting any kind of conventional mortgage. 
Right. And I, I kind of want to rewind a little bit for, for people that might not necessarily know what their family needs are, or you're dealing with these areas. It's not like you can just call up like the new S guys and be like, Hey, I'm kind of interested in Sunshine Coast, but maybe Vancouver Island, Tofino, or maybe Okanagan. And we're trying to put you in touch with somebody. And it's, it's, if you, if you don't even know that, um, which one's going to be like a good place for you, uh, you almost need, I would say like, it's a good idea for these people to kind of do like what Matt's family did, your family and went and like try vacationing in these places like a long weekend. Yeah. Get a feel for them. I would say that's probably the number one thing for sure. Get out there, try out a few spots, pick your best one and maybe go to that one spot a couple more times just to make sure you like it. Cause you're not, yeah. And you're not going to necessarily know what your budget's going to be like. Like, what can you afford? Because each one of those areas is going to be a little bit different in terms of the offerings and, and, and how far you can stretch those funds. Yeah, what you can do with the money is very different. But I guess I was just pointing out that you can't buy, like, land even if you can't get a mortgage, right? So it's knowing that you can't even get a mortgage. But, yeah, knowing the right area, you start to test that out. You go, okay, well, this is the right fit for me now, but could it even fit my budget? Because, like you mentioned, Whistler is so expensive. versus So there's a lot of different options depending on... It's very, it, it, they all go hand in hand though. You get what you pay for, right? You want it closer to the city, it costs more money. You want it to have more amenities, more stuff to do, it costs more money. You want to be closer to the water. like Closer to the city and if and is it is it a place that people can still commute? Like for our place on Bowen, that is still very much a viable place where people will commute into work for Vancouver. So you're fighting with not just vacation properties, but people yeah. that are looking for homes to live in. Um, Sunshine Coast, I find is the same, same way, right? From, from Gibson's, maybe it gets a little bit better as you get to like Seashell, Roberts Creek kind of, um, sort of up, I kind of went in the wrong order there, but anyways, <laughs> as you kind of, as you go, as you go up though, and get further, it gets more rural, there's less jobs, less things like that, less amenities. Um, so you're fighting a little bit less with some of the city folk. Um, I, I don't know if Okanagan, I mean, there's fully people, um, like Penticton's fully established. Well, like, I think I think that that's another point too. Is that you're getting a lot of people who are moving out of the Lower Mainland just because the prices are here have have gone crazy, and so they're looking in places like the Okanagan or the Sunshine Coast or the island, and they're they're buying houses they're gonna they're, they're gonna live in full time, but they're almost sort of like partially vacation type properties too because because they've they've got that proximity to their their recreation type type things that they like. So. Right. Um, That'll that'll drive prices up in those in those areas, I would think as well. Right. Should we talk about some of the the day to days operations of what it what some of these different types of properties are like? We we haven't quite helped. I think the listener discover and acquire the property. I think that's okay. part of it is acquisition. Okay. Right. Let's let's finish acquisition. So you kind of figured out where what's a good fit for your family. Yeah, and yeah. So so maybe the type of territory. So then we know that bare land is going to be difficult to borrow on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay, you've got a place that has like, uh, you've got like an RV, like a fifth wheel type trailer on your place, right? That's right, yeah. Fifth yeah. wheel and I've got a, a, a power shed that, that, that our family shares and um, an outhouse and some willow trees and a lake. And that's that's pretty much it. Which is a great piece of paradise. Oh yeah, I love but it, you yeah. still, the, you, But uh, any buyer can't get a conventional mortgage on that. No. Yeah, no. what the lender wants to see is something that's more more permanent for sure so uh typically a cabin that's got you know proper running water hooked into some sort of electricity or something to that effect my property has a 76 what's called like a park model single wide trailer uh that you'd find in any like trailer park and because technically that can be put on a truck and hauled away a lot of lenders look at that and say no that's a temporary structure so do you know what like a a lender's threshold sort of is for bare land versus actually 
something on the property they'll, they'll end on? Or is that, I guess it varies from lender to lender, but... It will depend on their criteria. So when I bought this, I worked, uh, I spoke to a friend of the show, Stephanie Barrett. She's mortgage broker. She's been on the show a few times and said to her, you know, can you help me with this? And she said, because this stuff is difficult for the big lenders to look at, they just don't like getting into it. They're, they're a lot less lenient. Her advice was go to the institution, the credit union, the bank, whatever it is that's closest proximity to where you're buying. For me, that was Valley First Credit Union. Right. And because if they can't lend on this kind of stuff in their region, they lose a lot of business. So they become more flexible. So they have, as you say, Jay, what's the threshold? Yeah. Their threshold is a lot lower than it would be with one of the bigger banks. For sure. And I guess the, I guess the other thing is that there's a little more danger with people investing in recreational property because these people will likely have another home of some sort that they're living in full time. And you know, if, if, if money's tight, what's the first <laughs> thing that's going to go? Yeah. It's going to be that rec property. And so much more likely to foreclose on something like that than you would on your, on your home that you live in. Absolutely. And they're much harder to liquidate it's when a, things go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting too. Cause like your, both your places are like land value, but because there's a, a somewhat of a structure on there, like you almost wonder if somebody's selling an $80,000 parcel, like 10 acres, go, buy a trailer and move it there. You, and, can, you can buy like my and, crappy and, trailer. You can buy one for 10 grand at a yard. And you'll might help someone's financing along for, for yeah, that, for yeah, resale. Yeah, increase your resale value by $40,000, right? I think the, the the real answer to your question, Jay, is probably that you're hooked into some sort of sewage system, right? right? So septic is most common when you're off-grid like this. And that uh, actual like structure with a foundation, is that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah they want to know kind of what type of foundation it is that, that gives it some value. But the, the park models just have so little value to them. Yeah, yeah. Like my insurance my replacement value on my on my trailer is fifteen thousand dollars well those are like cars they're they're depreciating (laughs) assets and yeah yeah so that's how they look at it from a lending perspective i was required to come up with 30 percent down on mine right okay they started out by saying 25 and then as the process (laughs) went on they're like you know what this is uh we're gonna need 30 to do this for you right but that was on stephanie's advice to go to the lender uh nearby so that that's was a super, really good piece of advice. That's super helpful, I think, for, for yeah. people is, is if you've got little weird types of properties, um, local institutions can have just way better knowledge of it and they want to keep the business in town. Yeah, so that's um, the sort of the tricky part of getting a mortgage. And then buying it, I, Jerry, you went through this with your family, getting the place on Bowen. I went through it when we bought ours, and people find it really surprising. You see a property on the market for a year, two years. Like recreation property is not uncommon for it to sit on the market for a long time. And the buyer thinks that when it's time to make an offer, they can shave off 5, 10, 15, 20% of the value. And that's just actually not the way it goes. And I think that's probably one of the, if, if going to the nearby lender was my best first, first piece of advice, the next is that don't think you're getting a smoking deal off the asking price. Those are just kind of there because that's the expectation. Yeah. That's just kind of residential real estate mentality is that if this is happening, it's because the price is wrong. Um, but with some of these vacation properties, then if, if someone's not in a hurry and they don't care, they know that the expectation is it's not uncommon to see, you know, half a year to a year of, of a property to, for the example, for Bowen, it was a weird one, um, several years, several agents. So these, these things can take time and it's, it's, yeah, throw it on there. I don't care how long it takes. Sign me up for a year listing. Um, 
I'm not going anywhere. I'm still using the property. So if someone's willing to, yeah, I'll sell it. Everything's for sale. Someone's willing to pay me X amount of dollars. It's for sale. So it's just a matter of posting it up there and waiting for the right person. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. There just really isn't that same urgency as there is with, with somebody trying to move their, their home. Yeah. And a lot of them are, when, especially for vacation, like we're not necessarily talking somewhere where there's a, a huge demand for people relocating out of Vancouver. Um, it's, there's just, you know, there's the one butt for that one seat. And it's, it's just, I don't like the way these cedar trees are. I don't like this view. And there's other parcels and there's, we're talking about rural areas. There's all sorts of different attributes to different lots and things that are going to speak to, to different people. Um, yeah. And vacation property, vacation markets, they, they fluctuate so much. If no one's selling their house for, for a ton of money here in the lower mainland, they're not going to go buy these fun rec, rec properties. So they just end up sitting. Yeah. I think the big takeaway, though, is don't expect much off the asking price. That was my big discovery when I bought mine. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes, I mean, you can, like residential real estate, sometimes you get the right person in the right timing where they're just, okay, we're done. And this is starting to cost sure, us because it's sometimes. Rotten. But statistically, yeah. I've been watching every sale in Tulamine for like six years. And mm. they almost always go. They eventually get their price? Yeah. And is that because <laughs> the market comes up to them? No, the market doesn't really change a whole lot. It's just a matter of timing. When that person, like you said, Jared, decides that it's the right fit for them, the buyer, the seller kind of knows. They're like, nah, you pick this one. Yeah, and you usually <laughs> just give up. And so give, the target get, market's way Give them smaller. their money. Yeah. Yeah, so, th- so that's uh, sort of my next best piece of advice, though, like I said, is, uh, is acquisition price. So the negotiation goes very different. And same thing, like get a buyer's agent once you know the right age, or sort of region you want to be in because they understand the nuances of that territory. You know, they're like, oh, no, you need to do certain inspections. You need to understand some of the weird things about the way the land works here or floodplains or things that aren't commonly disclosed or documented, but they just know. Yeah. Little, yeah, little neighborhood things, no, like... I, I'm trying to think of for Bowen. They still have some forestry. Um, our property's back, on the back end. Of the, it's, it's on the ocean, but on the back end is, is an old logging road. Um, and I believe the province owns a lot of these sites or does licenses out. So they've got all these different areas, forested areas, and they see which one's ripe for, for harvesting. And, and so that could happen. Where, where, so you get little localized things that are happening in, in these different areas. Um, I was going to say one other thing about location. Uh, travel times kind of knowing about the cabins and stuff and, and you know, are you dealing with, with toll highways? I guess Coquihalla is not a toll anymore. Are you dealing with ferries? Um, some of the, the, the Gulf Islands have, the ferries actually do a bit of a milk run where they're stopping at other islands. How often are they running? Um, those can be different challenges that could, could, even though that property seems really close, the logistics of getting there can be a real pain in the ass. Yeah, uh, I, I've never been a fan of being a, a slave to the ferry schedule or to boats breaking down or whatever it is, I always like having a backup. Yeah. You know, there's a, if, if Highway 3 is down, I, I could take Coquihalla and come back around the bottom way. Jay, you've probably done that. You've had to go around a few times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think you, it's usually the, the Coquihalla that's got a shutdown of some sort. But um, yeah, it happens. And what, what do those detour tours usually take? If you, if you do have to, like, you get stuck in the line at Coquihalla or something. And- well, actually, a good example that I have is probably about four or five years ago, it was, it was winter and we were going up to um, a friend of mine's uh, condo at Big White or his family condo at Big White and the Coquihalla was closed. So we had to take the uh, the crow's nest around. So usually we're looking at, you know, four and a half or so hours in wintertime to get from, from New West to, to Big White. But it took us, I think, six plus or something like that, just because it was, it was super snowy and going all the, sort of the long way around. Um, and you know, we, we, it was fine. We showed up in the middle of the night. We were ready for it, but, yeah. um, but that's just the thing you need to, to keep in mind sometimes. 
lots of preparedness stuff for for any of these rural properties. <laughs> well, if you're going stuff, in winter, stuff can go. Bring a shovel and bring lots of snacks. <laughs> and that's just the car ride. Yeah. Then you show up and you don't even have running water in the wintertime. So that kind of brings us into operations, Jer. Okay. Right? So you're trying to show up. You're showing up in summer. You're showing up in winter. Uh, do you buy a place with running water? That's probably a good start. Uh, I have running water at mine. I'm on a well and I'm on septic. Sometimes you have running water. Okay, well, the water comes up <laughs> from the well. Sometimes it doesn't yeah. come out of the taps. Sometimes <laughs> you're dealing with... F- Feet, several feet of frozen land um, that can restrict water to... to yeah, I've had all sorts of problems with water, but the premise is I have a well that gives me the option to have water if I is manage it Is that your right. specific situation at your place? Do the modern homes that have been, like the proper homes that have been built there with foundations and crawl spaces, is this one of the struggles that they have as well? They also struggle with it depending on just how they set things up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know enough now that when our time comes to build, if it ever does, that I think I can put enough protective measures in that it won't happen. It's all about grading your pipes so that they all flow down to one low point and you can open that one tap and drain it 100%, right? So there's no residual water left in it. And then um, not having pipes that touch the exterior walls so that when it's cold outside, it's not penetrating and getting into those pipes. And then the, and then the supply line from your well to the structure, making sure that's buried deep enough below the frost line and then it's protected. The mistake I made this year was I moved some snow for something else. And I think by moving the snow away, I prevented the, uh, the insulating factor of the snow right. and it allowed my supply line to freeze. So depending on how rural the property is, um, you could have municipal water. Some properties will, um, a lot of times it'll community water is the next phase community water Um, you know what that is a big difference between the two of them at (laughs) so like municipal is provided by your city community is like a group of 100 or 500 homes that share a common well and a pump so there's more consistent water running um but it's it's, a big well (laughs) yeah yeah well that's sometimes how they do it i mean that's how white rock feeds its water and they don't have water they don't have water restrictions (laughs) in the summer (laughs) So uh, community water is different, so you'll pay a separate bill there and share it, and they'll monitor you know, the quality of the water and keep it running on a more consistent rate. So where we are with well water, um, it's tricky. Like We've got uh, 100 feet between our well and our septics, which is sort of a grandfathered accepted process. They want to actually have like minimum 100 feet between your well and your septic system. Um, and each well is different in town, although we're all drawing from the same groundwater, depending on what the soil is like below you will change the mineral content that you get or how much, how lakey your water is. So part of your purchasing um, (laughs) for a property that is on wells, you're going to want to have that checked out. Some people get, some people get it tested. You guys do. No, I just, there's enough in the the area, right? You've got like regular residential lots that someone's going to have. The people around me had been living there for years and drank their well water. And that was enough for me. Is, is there a specific <laughs> well uh, inspector who could do that? Or is that just something a, a building inspector in the area would have some knowledge you of? You essentially get your own sample right. and you take it to a testing facility. Okay. So they don't, they, don't, they don't test like quantity of available water or draw or anything like that? Well, they can, okay. but um, I mean, there's limitations to that. I mean, they can, they come in and look and say like how, okay, like how shallow well, deep well, um, what kind of pump do you have in there? How, how you know, big is the pipe that it feeds, right? I mean, I just knew that mine was a limited supply and that was sort of enough. I was like, mine, right. mine's a low draw, yeah. but it's a seasonal property, so it's okay. But it's I knew fine. the quality was going to be good because all my neighbors were drinking their water. Yeah. 
I started asking about it. They're like, oh yeah, but the people like one block down, like closer to the lake, their water's super murky. They all have filtration systems. Right. Yeah. Um, Jay's got lake water. Can yeah. you do anything? You can wash dishes with it? Yeah, yeah. So what, what a lot of people do, uh, at least around us, is um, they, they just have a little pump in, and pump water out of the lake. Oh, the lake. Um, a little sock on it to filter. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kicking it old school. Um, yeah, you can wash dishes. I, I know there are some people that are further down the lake who have sent a line out really, really far and really, really deep, and they swear that it's just clean year-round because it's so far down, and they, they'll, they'll drink it and everything. Um, they, they do have, uh, boil water, um, you must need a pretty crazy pump to be able to pull it from, it's, although the lake's uh, not that deep, you said, right? Yeah. But I mean, even, I, I don't, I don't even think it is like, it's, it looks sort of like a hot tub pump kind of, okay. um, it's similar to that. Just like a do few need, horsepower, I think. Do you know, I guess the proper way would be to get like a license from. Honestly, I, I, I no don't one? even really know. I, I would think yeah. probably, um, I would suspect no that a lot of people. Care. Are, Vacation would, properties are kind of the wild west. Yeah. People don't <laughs> like, as long as you're not causing a problem for anyone, just do your thing and yeah, as long as it's yeah. not, a, it's not an issue. I was expect yeah, that a lot of people just sort of drop a big line down yeah. there and, uh, yeah. So for us, we, um, we collect rainwater from the roofs. We have no water source you or have anything. No running water. I can't drink the salt water. Yeah. Um, I don't think I can do anything with the salt water. Probably not. Boil pasta. would <laughs> 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 be perfect. Nice little extra flavor in there. Yeah. Um, so we do we do barrels collecting water off the roof. Um, obviously, we don't. It's not potable, so it's not drinkable water. Um, I guess you could treat it. Maybe you could boil it. Um, but I don't know. It, it works for just water sources, not necessarily for consumption. Although I'm sure, like through testing, just like with wells, it could be could be okay. I would think that the rainwater would be fairly easy to make it so make it potable. But I'll, yeah, I just worry about pollutions, know, like yeah. pollutants in the air that are coming down, and you know, metal roofs with lead paint or whatever. Yeah, you got bacteria uh, on your roof that stuff. the water has to pass through before it gets there, right? Yeah, so, bird, birds are doing their thing up there. So um, for us, we just bring we bring in the the big water cooler jugs. So every time you go in, you, you bring one or two in and, and just kind of stock it up. Um, uh, the other option is there is a creek that runs through it. So that's kind of like similar to the lake water. Just use it if we don't have enough. We can fill up the big, big, uh, big rain barrels with with that. So we'll see how it goes. We, get, we haven't been there for a full year yet. So we'll have to see kind of how with all the different family members using the property, um, how much we burn through. Right, yeah. D- is there enough rainwater to satisfy we'll all see. the toilets? We've got two huge, huge tanks there. So, um, And you're not on the electrical grid either? No, no. So we just have a... Do you want to talk about utilities, electrical? We are uh, a Honda generator that has not failed us yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't... We just use... We use a lot of, like, uh, lithium, like, battery packs, for charging cell phones, Um we do oil lanterns, do candles for, for lights at nighttime. In the summertime, it's plenty light, so we don't have to really worry about that. In the wintertime, we'll definitely need to run those um, lanterns and things like that. And everything else, appliance-wise, they, they just run on propane. So you've got a propane tank down by the water. Um, you can actually run lighting. We don't have lighting that's off propane, but you can actually run you can plumb propane lines. There's a manifold at the property. Um, you can use it for your fridge that's propane. You can use it for the stove, obviously. Yep. Fireplace. Um, so there's really not a lot of need for for electricity, um, other but, than but you like got to bring in the fuel, right? But you, you, know, you got yeah, propane and or gas it's for a, the It's Jenny. a big pressurized tank down by the water, so the the neighbors, anyone's like, hey, are you guys getting low? Yeah, let's get the guy out. He just comes out. Okay, so he comes to you. Yeah, well, that get makes it a the barge better, and yeah. they, they fill up the tank, and we barely made a dent in it. We've been using it almost every weekendish. That's cool. And what about uh, I wanted to ask? Oh, the Jenny. 
Um, is it loud? Do you find it like... It's not. Yeah, it's not loud. It's kind of just on the back of the house. Um, it, we, you know what we use it for? To turn on the toaster. Because <laughs> we just... We probably can just buy something that toast toast on the stove, but we just we use the toaster. <laughs> so we fire up the generator. Um, we use it to recharge lithium, the battery packs. Uh, we use Makita batteries, like because yep. we have like Makita power tools, so eighteen <laughs> volt tools, um, and then we just use, and they they're they're killer for recharging, like cell phones and everything. And you get like, I feel like four or five cell phone charges out of a pack, like last quite a long time. Um, and we use it because the stove has a has a, a reignite reignition system um, to, con- to to regulate the temperature, so it'll fire the burners up, so it fires it up. And then turns off, so it so it needs, needs to be plugged in to run to, to run the, the to, to have click, a click, computer click. that runs the propane. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's all we need for for power. We will get solar there. We've, we're west facing, and there's some trees and a, a bit of a, a shadow from the mountains, so it's a little bit more challenging, but totally doable. Yeah, and that will factor in obviously with your lending if you're off grid like that. You know, boat access only that kind of stuff. It's hard to get a mortgage on, but it's a hell of a lot cheaper. You know, you're looking through MLS trying to find the cheapest. This was uh, half. Mistakes. It was, uh, I would even say like a third price. A third of the price of other comparable. Well, on Bowen, like, it would be on Bowen Island. Like, over so waterfront yeah. vehicle access, it would be over over twice the price. So that's the, again, figuring out your budget, figuring out your needs. We figured out that we're okay being in the forest, having no, basically no neighbors around. We wanted to have water, dock, boat, yeah. and those kind of water activities, like kind of West Coast water, water activities and views. Um, so there were some sacrifices there. And, and if the budget doesn't allow for a million dollar plus property, because we yeah. are talking a secondary property here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you figure out where those concessions are, right? Well, yeah, and I'm not afraid to like publicize my price that I pay because people probably wonder what, like we're talking about this stuff, like what is it? What'd you get? What did it cost? Like, what was it like, yeah. right? So mine was, mine's three hours and 15 minutes from New West. It's a 7,000 square foot lot. So I'm 50 wide, 140 feet deep, single wide trailer. It's like barely 800 square feet. I'm two bedrooms, one bathroom. And I bought it for $212,000 in 2015, I think it was, 15 or 16. Is that, has it kind of maintained value for the most part? Roughly. I mean, I kind of overpaid for it based on other sales when I bought it, but I loved the location but it was the in right town. Location. Yeah, yeah, I loved the location. And prices haven't really gone up since then. So if I tried to sell it today, I, I doubt I would get 200 for it, but I don't care. It's not for sale. <laughs> and that sort of get back, gets back to what we were talking about earlier. You'd probably just put it on the market for what you bought it for and wait for three years and see what happens. See what happens. But I mean, there's no way I ever want to part ways with this. This, no. this property like defines my family now. Yeah. It is a huge part of who we are. It gives us all of our recreation in a variety of different ways. We chose that place because it's got the lake. It also has an ice rink in the winter. It's got off-roading trails. Like We we take in so many different things. We don't go there and do just one thing. This yeah. past weekend, that's why I was asking about Caramillos, we, we mm-hmm. tried something different. We drove to Caramillos and did wine tours. Right, yeah. First time we've ever done wine tours when hanging out in Tulamine. Well, that's a, that's a big up-and-coming up area for uh, for wine growing and things like that. Apparently, the Smilkameen Valley, which is where Caramillos is, yeah. is, is huge. And a lot, a lot of the Okanagan growers and... and uh, um, wineries are, are getting a lot of the grapes from that area now. It's similar growing conditions there to Napa Valley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're finding that that's that's why it works out. Right? Know, isn't that what they say about the whole Okanagan? Not not all of it. I mean, it, it, it varies a fair bit up there for for grapes. Um, well, because I, in the where the like the wine benches where you are, like Skaha and Naramata and that. We're, kind of yeah, stuff. we're sort of OK Falls, closer to Oliver. Uh, Naramata benches, but that's is desert. Up farther north. Yeah, yeah, it's a little deserty. It's, it, but it, apparently, it's it's even hotter in uh, the sort of the South Smilkameen area and. Oh. 
hotter and, 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 and less and less rain. Uh, more more sunny days than than a lot of areas. Uh, it's hotter and drier there. The difference is the elevation brings the cool temperatures at night. Right, we're getting in a total wine show now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's a bit. That's a, that's kind of the the big thing there. Is uh, anyway, cool temperatures at night. But anyway, yeah. I love doing the wine tour. So a lot of different things there. Uh, getting back to why so we you, bought you go and you drink a bunch of wine. You need to go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> uh, to bring us back around. Segway. Um, Part of this for, um, I don't know if, how much it works for, for lending, Matt, but I guess your place was more sort of residential. Um, but I know for, for our place there, because of where you are in the ocean, and it, it is technically sort of an off-grid, no road or anything like that, for us to actually start building properly with, with permits and things like that and keeping every, everyone happy, they want to make sure that you have your water source. So where are you getting your, your water from? Um, and, and a way to dispose of, of like sewer and, and septic and things like that. And when you're on a mountain, it's not usually so any good, good places for that to happen. Um, we've had, we've had pretty good use of, of these composting toilets. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more work, but when you're, when you're, you'll see like a lot of, I started looking up, looking them up with like tiny houses that these people are having and going on the road and throwing on these properties. Right. Um, but essentially if you, if you, if you use them right and you maintain them, you're just left with non-smelly kind of composty dirt. That's interesting. Which is a lot nicer than what I've been used to with other family properties <laughs> um, where someone just digs as deep a hole as they can and then uh, builds a little, little plywood shanty with a toilet seat on top of a plywood and a, and a hole. And it's, it's never a pretty place to, to hang out. And that's basically what I've got. Although, <laughs> although we, we, we've got an, a much nicer uh, shanty. It's got cedar siding, but it's essentially just a hole in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And it works for a lot of people, but but I was just really surprised with, and it's not that the, the composting toilets are really that much different. It's just that there's a bit of a mechanism there to to, to deal with it and getting um, you had some bacteria and some other sort move of move things along, and it and it really just neutralizes. It's a crazy sort that, of phenomenon. Cool. I still don't completely understand it. <laughs> But it seems to work. Would you trust it to grow your vegetables in afterwards? I wouldn't. You're not putting these <laughs> on my vegetables. Um, you can put them in your garden to keep your roses pretty. So, what do you do about your gray water? So, like sink runoff. Um, okay, I gotcha. That's <laughs> uh, it. Gets filtered through uh, another filtration system. Okay. So, for people who are looking to buy, though, I think it's pretty funny when places like Bowen and other places get sticky about where's your water going to go because the entire city of Victoria pumps its sewage into the ocean. So getting sticky on one home here or there to me is a bit uh, hypocritical. But yeah, and and there's different tides and things like that that are bringing. If we're talking about the ocean, but, but stuff is circling around. We've got, uh, I mean, you've got you've got E. coli in Vancouver, on Vancouver beaches because of crap that's in in the yeah. water. Um, but anyway, them's the breaks. I guess as buyers, they just need to know that understand the restrictions, right? Like you said, Jer, if you were going to build their, you know, existing structures, get grandfathered in, you want to go and build new, that's a whole different ball of wax, right? Getting permits yeah. for new structures is if a You're big okay thing. with your whole toilet. Um, might not be the case if you want, you've got these plans of building a, a, a brand new house there. Yeah. So that stuff changes a lot. And what's it been like for you, Jay, then with the fifth wheel? Like how's that as a, a residence? It's, <laughs> it's, it's been great. I mean, hookups wise, we're, we're, I don't want to say roughing it cause you're never really roughing it in a trailer, but like we, we don't, we don't have running water hooked up to it. It's basically been winterized water and sewer lines in, in that thing since we, since we put it there. So no, um, no sanitation really of any sort. We just go to the outhouse kind of thing. And um, the only th- real thing we've got there is, is power. So we, I, I run a 
150-foot <laughs> power cord up to it from a power <laughs> shed, which I had to have like custom done because you can't buy that at an RV place. But um, that, that's it. We don't really have, have much there. I, I, I use like a, a big blue um, water container that I fill at home and bring up with me for, for drinking water and, and things like that. And, um, and that's about it. I find a lot of times if you've got power lines – like if you're you're dealing with a road access property, it's it's not too much work, or there might already be power at kind mm-hmm. of lot line. Yeah, like a lot of times for these places, it's there. It's just going to take you some work and and potentially just your own labor, person like labor if you want to go up there and do like work parties. Um, but they will have that. But in terms of like well and septic, it's a whole other ball game of trying to make it yeah, happen. Yeah, for sure. And, and we like like I said, we do have power on the property. It's just sort of far away from where the trailer sits. Um, we could probably have sewer, but it's 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 under our neighbor's property and it might be a pain to, to to run it up our way. But I think eventually that's that that's our goal is to, to run run a sewer line up and that'd be There actually is sewer there. There there is sewer. Like yeah, there there is municipal sewer sewer. I'm not sure about water. I think that there are houses, like I said, that still just pump out of the lake, but um but sewer is possibly available. But you know, any every property is gonna be way different. It's fascinating to see how different people make this stuff work. Yeah. The property behind me just changed hands. So we had new owners there for the first time this past weekend. And so they hauled off, you know, three different fifth wheels that had been there for, it seemed like decades. And they brought in their new ones. So it was bought by like uh, uh, grandma and grandpa, essentially. So parents and then their two kids. So their, their son and their daughter each married with kids. So they all bought it together and they all brought in their fifth wheels. So they start changing sort of the orientation. and That's the big one by the KVR? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I got new neighbors, so I was kind of checking them out and seeing how it went. And they were telling me about their experience. I'm like, yeah, it was really hard buying, you know, land without a structure on it. You know, right, we couldn't get yeah. a mortgage, so that made it really complicated. But we wanted something within four hours of the coast, and this was it. And How much was that one? I don't know what they bought it for. They bought it privately. But it, the last it's asking piece of property, last asking though, price so. was around 450000 It's five acres. It's it, it, The whole thing runs along Otter Creek, and then it has a little tip of uh, lakefront. Yeah. Yeah, nice big bench. It's got two septic systems on it to hook into. It seems like a great, yeah, great. Yeah, place. it was a good buy. I thought it was is a good piece of land to to pick up there, right? So there's that kind of stuff is out there. The way they ended up buying it, it had been on MLS, and I'm a little disappointed that they circumvented the realtors who had been representing it and originally introduced them them to it. But it came off MLS for a few months, and somebody posted in the Tulamine Facebook group page. It was like, hey, our family loves Tulamine, and we'd love to buy a place here. We want to be a part of your community. And the owner said, like, oh, I've got this place for sale. And they already knew it had been for sale before. But because it was private, they sort of got together and found a way to bring a deal together. So that was one way that they discovered it, too. They just, it was like the third time this woman posted on the Facebook mm-hmm. page. She keeps, just keeps showing up. Hey, we love your little community there. We want to we want to spend more time there if there's anything to buy. But we need a big piece of land because we're a big family. But people pack a lot of families onto these, like, oh, yeah, sure. 6,000 square foot lots. <laughs> Everybody comes in on their tents, runs the whole thing through. But I guess that's part of like operations too, though, when we talk about this. Like there's this dream of owning a place that you come to sometimes and you go there and it's just great. You just roll in and it's your vacation. I love that part of Tulamine. We drive up. I got a lot of my stuff there. Uh, so it's easy to just kind of drive in with the one small bag of clothes and groceries. Um, but it also means that there's almost always something to fix and always something to do when I get there. You know, I had over one foot tall grass when I got there this weekend takes a little extra time to cut all that grass when it's that tall when you, you just arrive. use a weed whacker i had to do that first yeah <laughs> and, and then mow it <laughs> it's, the, it's like when you get your beard gets a little long and you're not you're not gonna hit it with the uh yeah the usual trimmer. pull out the weed whacker you pull out the weed whacker 
I, I find that that's something that a lot of people don't realize comes with the dream. It's definitely when we went from, and again, we've only had ours for we're like the shortest period of time here, but not <laughs> even a year. Um, just the amazement of being able to just kind of grab, you've got a toothbrush there, you've got deodorant, whatever other products you need. There's no shower, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> you've, got, you've got clothes, pajamas, blankets. It's it's literally just a few things and, and some food and, and you can be in the car within you know half an hour. If you've got, yeah, if you've got stuff at home supplies, which is nice. Whereas typically when you're going, like when we would go to bed and breakfast and things like that, um, out on the island and Sunshine Coast, you're just thinking about just everything. Do I need a sleeping bag? Do I need this tent? And, and so it just becomes lots of a full car of crap and planning. Yeah. A lot more planning. That, that's sort of the biggest, the biggest change we've had in the last couple of years since we got the trailer too. Cause it used to be, we'd have to go and we'd have to think about setting up tents and setting up a whole bunch of things when we arrived there. And now it's, it's a lot more turnkey, although we still have a lot of junk to set up, but um, it's definitely easier and we're bringing less along with us. Yeah. I noticed too, though, um, anybody who's owned a house, it's a lot easier to maintain when you're there all the time and you notice the little things changing when you're not there using it all the time. I'm noticing like plumbing seals dry out, right? Yeah. Right, because you're not there running the taps all the time. So all the little rubber components fail a lot faster. You know, you're not there to keep an eye on the roof or other things. So every time you get there, there's sort of something else that's degraded a whole lot faster than you'd expect. A tree <laughs> fell down on your trailer. <laughs> happens so you don't have too many big trees but for a lot of times a lot of places have like yeah one windstorm and your cedar can fall down yeah, and it cause a lot of damage absolutely people worry about security because you're not there right i have a spot where i have full-time residents a couple of them near my place so i feel comfortable that there's somebody kind of keeping an eye out but if you buy something really remote like honestly every time you show up you don't know what you're pulling up yeah. to. The repairs are the repairs are fun, kind of cathartic, as if as long as they're manageable. Um, but it is a good thing to note that um, it's kind of like a boat, I guess. It might actually be a boat, but <laughs> you could. Um, it's kind of the start of just new maintenance things to to deal with, and and any kind of rugged rural property is going to have a little more elements, a little more exposure to those things, and yeah. you're not there. Well, so. And whatever you think you're used to, if you own a detached house already, it's not the same. Yeah. Like that's the thing I think everybody needs to know. It's everything degrades faster because it, it sounds strange that because you're not using it, but yeah. not using it allows it to sit and kind of just yeah. fall apart. And also, I think just another public service announcement: be careful because it can make you want to buy toys. <laughs> and, and toys are expensive. Fishing rods are expensive. Quads are expensive. Fifth wheels are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can all of a sudden start getting into some of these hobbies that are amazing for at these properties. Um, it's a slippery slope where it turns out that, yeah, you could end up blowing a ton of, yeah, ton of like, cash on these things. You're like, well, like, okay, I found a way that I can afford this property. I'm going to buy it. It's going to change my life. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a little bit tight, but we can afford this. And you buy it and you're like, well, now that we're here, we need something to do. <laughs> <laughs> all these beautiful mountains. How am I going to explore them? I could hike, but... Yeah, so there's there's a lot of things to consider. Um, it's a dream for a lot of people, and it's it's harder to bring into reality because you want to feel like you're using it. You want to feel like you're getting value. It made a lot of sense for me and my family because I wasn't taking enough vacation, and because I'm frugal, by buying it, I was essentially prepaying for my vacation every year, and I want right, to get yeah. my money's worth. <laughs> I, th I think another thing, too, is, is if, if it's going to be a place you're going to be going once a year, you, you can't look at it so much as an investment either because it's not necessarily going to be accruing much value. 
that's a good that's a good point no it's definitely <laughs> yeah. not i mean but you it's are purely paying, enjoyment yeah i mean for me i'm paying a mortgage so i am building up equity over time right right yeah. so that's kind of a nice thing for me that i look at when retirement time comes it'll be paid off and it'll be just sitting there for so us to mortgage use. as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> if you can i mean there's an option there so i think this helps people kind of get away of the land uh they can follow up with us if they want to sort of get more understanding of what to do did you have any other thoughts on buying vacation property jerry um, if you can afford it, do it because people need a break. We work too much, but uh, <laughs> everyone's strapped for money right now. So, yeah. Last words, Jay. Yeah, I mean, get out of town, have some fun. It's, so, a, short, it's a short life, <laughs> 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 or I don't know. Longer. And I think it's good we've pr- provided some examples of it. Yeah, it could it doesn't it can be a small property. Um, you can start off and just ten. Like it doesn't need, you need to be ten acres. It could be just whatever and put a trailer on it, put whatever, but just get out there. It's a lot of beauty. Yeah. Beautiful Make British yours. Columbia. Yep. <laughs> okay, that wraps us for this episode. We're going to bring a question of the week and story time, and maybe all the fundamentals back next episode with Jeff. Uh, thanks so much to our special guest, J.D. Hazelwood. If you want to get a hold of Jay, we're going to put his info in the show notes, kind of know what's going on with him. Jay, your uh, newest kind of Tri-Cities real estate specialist. Is that kind of where you've been? Burnaby, you? Vancouver. Well, yeah, most mostly new west, but you know, we, we, we go out from there. You've been playing in the Tri Cities a, a lot little, recently. A little bit, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Uh what's the website people can go to to find the Hazelwoods? The Hazelwood dot com or you can find us on Facebook at the Hazelwood team. Cool. And I'm Matt Brabins. He's Jeremy Ray. We're the New West Guys. We're the New West Guys dot com. Jeff's not here, so you don't get his URL today. Sorry, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs>